As we get our first snowfall here in Canada, the news involving hockey is not so topical. Not a lot of things going on. However, we've got a couple retro jerseys we need to discuss. On top of that, we got to get to some news involving a current Chicago Blackhawk that has something to prove and a former Chicago Blackhawk who says he's got a lot left. Episode 24 of the Second Thoughts Podcast. Let's go. Welcome you into episode number 24, Retro of the Second Thoughts Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kyle Grimard. Make sure you do follow along at Second Thoughts P on Instagram and Twitter. As well, if you want to follow along on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts at the Second Thoughts Podcast, make sure if you do happen to do so, uh, if you'd like to give it a like and uh, rate it five stars, recommend it to your friends, maybe people who haven't started listening to the show yet. The great part about this podcast is the episodes are not an hour and a half long. It doesn't make you feel like you've got hours and hours of content to catch up on. Each episode is anywhere from about half an hour, maybe a little bit less, to 40, 45 minutes, so You could listen to an episode while you're taking your lunch. You could listen to an episode or two while you're working out, while you're making dinner. Uh, It's kind of one of the nice things about the podcast. Uh, Also, too, I am growing a mustache for Movember. If you'd like to check that out, it is attached to my other profile on Instagram and Twitter, at Kyle Grimard. It is under uh, Kyle's Dirty Duster. It's uh, coming along nicely. I have a goal this year of about 500 bucks. Uh, Last year, I had a goal of 300. I was able to surpass that, thankfully. And so I wanted to up it this year and have a goal of 500. I believe I'm at $225 already, not the $15,000 dollars that Austin Matthews has been able to raise so far, but nevertheless, it's all going towards a good cause. Uh, if you'd like to uh, check it out, I will post the link in the uh, in, this, uh, in the description below. But, uh, you know, is we uh, November the 17th today, it's just not a lot of news stories. Everything's kind of up in limbo right now as we determine when the NHL season is exactly going to start, uh, you know, how the divisions are going to work out, if players are going to feel comfortable doing it because we saw when the bubble started back up that a lot of players decided to opt out and just not play for the safety of their families and themselves. So we'll see. Some players might want to do that again. Uh, that's also why I think some players who are currently free agents have not been signed yet due to the case that they do have to pay them that money and they opt out of playing. Uh, they would they would just be a lost cause at that point, and teams don't really want to take that risk, considering the fact that there is a, a flat cap. Uh, we'll get to a few different things right now. We'll get to the uh, the retro jerseys a little bit later on as well, and uh, we'll, we'll end the show with those. But shorter episode today, obviously, with the lack of news. The way I plan on doing this, though, is there's a tentative start date for the NHL on January the 1st. So my goal or my game plan is come December, because I do two episodes a week, I will be doing overviews of the teams leading up to the beginning of the season. And the way it works is because it is set up into uh, four different divisions... My thought was to split the divisions in half and do half the division on the Tuesday episode and then the other half of the division on the Friday episode and then just do that for four weeks leading up to the regular season and then I'll flutter in some other news and notes uh, to kind of fill out the episode. But that's kind of my thought process. Uh, We'll see how that goes, but that's, that's the game plan right now. 
We'll actually start things off with just a couple of news stories because there haven't really been a whole lot. There's one signing we'll get to here, but just some other news uh, going around around the National Hockey League. Uh, the Crescent Court Hotel in Dallas, Texas is suing the Edmonton Oilers organization of $55,000 worth of unpaid bills. Evidently, Edmonton owes $28,000 for a December 19th stay and an additional $27,000 for its last trip before the COVID pandemic in March. Uh, the team had placed the blame on the Accounting glitch compounded and a timeline miscommunications. Uh, the Oilers plan on paying the bills, obviously, and having the situation resolved in the next couple of days. But just uh, crazy enough, considering the fact that this all happened before the pandemic started, and also Oilers owner Dale Kratz or Kat, sorry, has a net worth of $3.5 billion. So I, I don't think, uh, I mean, it's not chump change, it's $55,000. That's a lot of people's, um, you know, yearly salaries, but. I just uh, that story kind of you know kind of came to fruition. Nothing really uh, big from it. I just thought the timeline was kind of funny of it, being the fact that both incidents were before the COVID nineteen pandemic. I can understand though, right? Like you go to pay the bills, all of a sudden the pandemic hits, and more important things come to the table, and you kind of have to worry about those before addressing a couple of uh, hotel bills. So I'm not worried. Obviously, no one's worried about those. They'll have those paid in the next little bit. But just some news out of Edmonton moving forward. Uh, and also, we have one small signing to get to as well. I wasn't able to get to it on the last episode, but the Ottawa Senators have signed veteran enforcer Michael Haley to a one-year, two-way contract. The NHL deal is worth up to $700,000. Michael is going to bring experience, leadership, and additional physicality to the organization, uh, Pierre Dorian said in a press conference. He's looking forward to serving as a mentor for our younger players. Uh, he did have a goal in 22 games with the New York Rangers last season. He's 34 years of age. He's played in over 270 contests. He's collected 32 points and 687 penalty minutes since with the New York Islanders, San Jose Sharks, Florida Panthers, and the New York Rangers. Yeah, like like I said, not a lot of news going on right now, so I figured I'd just get those two things quickly out of the way. Let's start with this store here out of uh, out of Chicago. And you know, I, I, wherever you are in life, whatever age you are at, whatever whatever stage in your career you're at, your mindset should always be that you still have something to prove. Right, one of the nice things I remember when I first started in broadcasting was a lot of people told me this, and a lot of people said that I had potential. Right, I had potential, I had opportunity, I had an ability to grow and and make something of myself, and I never really want that potential, you know, vindication to go away. I always want to have potential doing something. I always want to have something I need to prove. Well, Brent Seabrook is wanting to really disprove some of the doubters. He wants to say that he has something to prove. Brent Seabrook says that he will be ready to contribute next season and is motivated to prove it after having his 2019-2020 campaign cut short by multiple surgeries. He has said in a quote, I feel like I'm 19 years old again trying to make the team. This is from the Athletics' Pierre Lebrun. I'm skating and doing treatment and, and doing all these extra things here and there, just trying to get prepared and ready, get my flexibility back, which was a battle for a while. Get the skating back, which has been great. In the last two to three weeks, I have felt great on the ice. It's been incredible. He also said that he has no plans to quit despite his injuries, uh, advanced age, and quote-unquote declining production. He says he's excited for training camp again. He's excited for the opportunity to get back out there and show. So basically this, he is pumped and ready to go. Now last season, he was limited to, I believe, 32 games. Uh, He went 
he had he had to go undergo three different procedures over a six week span, beginning in late December. Uh, he has right shoulder repaired and then both of his hips. Now he's a 15 year veteran who played his final game of the campaign all the way back on December 15th. So it will be well over a calendar year since Brent Seabrook took took the ice to play a game. Now his stats aren't fantastic. He only collected four points. And a 41.22 expected goals for percentage and 41.53 scoring chances for rate during the shortened season. He spent his entire career with Chicago. But this is the part that that, that gets people. Is that Brent Seabrook has four years left on a contract with a cap hit of $6.875 million. Having said all of that. I like the fact that Brent Seabrook sees opportunity. That he says he feels young. That he feels excited. That he feels like he's 19 trying to make the team again out of camp. I get the contract sucks. No one thinks the contract is great. But you got four years left of it. Buying him out is not the ideal situation. You've got a guy who is a 15-year veteran in the National Hockey League. A guy who is motivated to prove doubters wrong. A guy who wants to play, who wants to compete. This is a guy who has brought you three, count them, three Stanley Cup championships. And I get this is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. But having a motivated veteran defenseman like that who has been working his tail off to get back to where he was. That's a positive thing for the Chicago Blackhawks. And you have to remember too, this is just a few months uh, after all of the core members of of those championship teams were disgruntled when they did not re-sign Corey Crawford, when they traded Brendan Saad away. Right? These These are proud, competitive individuals who want an opportunity. And that's all that Brent Seabrook wants. Brent Seabrook isn't coming back here thinking that he is the top defenseman. Duncan Keith isn't coming back here thinking I'm still the team's top defenseman. These guys are like 35 and 37 or 38 years of age. They understand that they're not youngins in the National Hockey League anymore. But they've got a lot of young guys already there. right? Adam Boakvist was a guy who took steps last year on that blue line. Brent Seabrook, who can play in and in maybe a bottom pairing if you need him to play in a top four role, right? He can give you 19, 20 minutes a night. He's going to be more of a defensive guy. Maybe get him a partner who's a little bit more mobile, who can do more of the skating and creativity, and he can just focus on staying back. I'm not saying it's an ideal situation for the Chicago Blackhawks with $6.8 million due to him for four more years, but I'm saying it's manageable. I'm saying that you kind of already cracked the egg on this one when you signed the deal. Get a good omelet out of the situation. And the cherry on top is the player wants to play. He wants to get better. He wants to, to kind of regain some of his older form. He wants to think that there's still something that he needs to prove. He wants to think that there is still an opportunity. He wants to show that he still has potential. Right, Maybe not potential to grow and, and, and get faster and more experienced as a player, 
but potential to be a useful piece to the team, to be a, a veteran that, that trains and, and develops the younger prospects that are coming in behind him. You've got some other defensemen in your system that at some point are going to be coming up and taking over the reins. You could do a lot worse than a three-time Stanley Cup champion and a huge factor on the blue line when you won all three of those championships mentoring your younger players. In a COVID world where, where teams are going to be spending a lot more time together, I just, I like this and honestly, it's a good story. It would be a great story if Brent Seabrook was able to come back to some capacity and play himself into a lineup and play himself as a player that people go, oh, you know what, he's actually done a nice little job rebounding here. Because it's been a tough few years for Brent Seabrook. His time of ice since 2015-16 has gone like this. 22 minutes and 49 seconds. Next year, 2016-2017, 21 minutes and 54 seconds. 2017-2018, 20 minutes and 12 seconds. 2018-2019, 19 minutes and 6 seconds. This past year, like I said, only 32 games, only 4 points. It was a rough time for Brent Seabrook, and he averaged only 18 minutes time on ice this past season. Sorry, not four assists. He had four points. He had three goals and an assist over the course of 32 games. But nevertheless, that's a fun story where if he does happen to kind of come back and prove himself to some capacity to be a valuable and useful player on Chicago, where they're kind of all up in the air right now. They, we don't really know what Chicago is. They got rid of Saad. They brought in Zadorov. They didn't re-sign Crawford. Right? They're just they're, there's a whole bunch of confusing anecdotes up in the air. But I'm a sucker for a good story. I'm a sucker for a guy with potential, with someone who needs to prove himself, who's hungry to show that he's not done yet. And I think that's what we're getting out of Brent Seabrook in Chicago. Okay, let's switch tracks here and let's move on to our, our next story here, which funny enough involves a former Chicago Blackhawk. And, you know, I, I think the one thing that everyone looks for in life, in careers, is stability. Consistency. Right? If you're looking for a job, you want it to, to, to be consistent. You want it to be stable. You want to feel secured and reassured that you're not going to be going anywhere for some time. Now, after bouncing around to a few different teams over the last few seasons, Brendan Saad is really hoping Colorado is going to be a place he plays for a long time. Now, Brendan Saad, who was traded from the Chicago Blackhawks to the Colorado Avalanche in exchange for defenseman Nikita Zadorov, is excited about the opportunity to play and hopefully win in Colorado, but is also excited to get a chance to play in Colorado for a very long time. He is going to be joining a group that includes Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen and Gabriel Landeskog and Nazem Kadri and Kale McCarr on the back end and Eric Johnson and then you've got Bowen Byram and just, you've got a plethora of young, good, willing talent in a city that is clinging for an opportunity to win a Stanley Cup. I remember when they made this trade too. I knew Saad was going to be a great fit there. Just with all the talent, they've solidified certain positions. Colorado brought in Devon Taves from the New York Islanders, so they don't even need to worry about replacing Zadorov. 
And they, they bring in Brendan Saad, who has scored 20-plus goals in five different seasons. He's won multiple cups with the Chicago Blackhawks. He is going to be a big player for this team. And having a guy like that saying that he wants to finish his career somewhere, this is a guy where who he's paid his dues, he's been successful early, he's been effective as a player, he's 28 years of age, he's kind of bounced around, he's making decent money right now, I believe he's making about $6 million. He wants to sign long-term. He wants to lock it in and feel secure for the next six, seven years. He wants to settle his family down. He wants to have stability. He wants his kids to know where they're going to be going to school each and every day for the foreseeable future. And on top of it, you kind of want to be in a place you'd like to be in. He said, it's great to be in a spot like this on a great team. And then you hear wonders about the city. So really, it seems like a place where I want to play for a long time. He said, it's a beautiful city. So I'm looking forward to getting the season going because we got a hell of a team out here in Denver. If Colorado, and Colorado has the money too, but they are going to wait it out because they're not signing anybody else this year because Taylor Hall's gone, all the big fish are gone. They maybe can bring in Mike Hoffman if they'd like to, but I think they've got a good enough core as it is where, I don't know, you can you can bring in a Hoffman, but at some point someone's going to be playing third line and it's, it's going to be a depleting role for them. But if this works out and Colorado happens to go on a run and maybe win a championship, you've got McKinnon locked up for a couple more years. Rantanen's locked up. Landis Cog, your captain's locked up. McCarr will be the guy you have to get done. Your goaltending's locked up. Kadri signed in for another couple years. And then you lock in Brendan Sod for like 5-6 at 5-6 mil. Colorado still has like $16 million in cap. They can afford to re-sign him. They can afford to sign him a card or whatever he wants when his deal ends. They can afford to upgrade pay on Nathan McKinnon when his deal ends because his deal is absurd. He makes like $6.5 million or $6.25 million. He's going to make a lot more money. But if you can find, if, if, if this team becomes successful and goes on a run this year, and you could lock up Brendan Saad and all your other core pieces to like five, six years where, they, where there's that window of all of these guys together. Brendan Saad's been a part of it. He was literally a part of it in Colorado. You had Taves, you had Kane, you had Keith, you had Seabrook, you had Saad, and then you were interchanging parts. And then you bring up up and coming players like Panarin for a bit. And those guys would fill in and play and pay huge dividends. And you have your Patrick Sharps, and you have your Marion Hosas, and you have your Dave Bolins, and you have your, I could go on forever, Andrew Lads, Dustin Bufflins, like, they will find players like that within the system as long as their core is locked up. Stability within an organization, this system, knowing the fact that Colorado is going to be competing for a Stanley Cup for five to six years is not only good for your players, it's good for your organization, it's good for your fans, and Brendan Saad would be the guy to know what that's all about. Having spent so much time in Colorado before moving, before moving to, to Columbus for a bit. Only 28 years of age, you can lock him up to a decent deal, a decent term, and he's not going to sign for more than your superstars. He's not going to be like, I want seven, eight million dollars. They're like, no, 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 no. McKinnon's making six to five. You're barely going to be making six. You're going to be lucky if you make six. 
I think it's a it's a match made in heaven. I think Brendan Saad fits their style beautifully. You've got a plethora of other players like McKinnon and Landeskog and Kadri and Makar on the back end and Gerard on the like. It's just if I'm a if I was a Colorado, I'd be pumped if I was a Colorado fan right now. I really would. The year is a lot of good things coming to the Colorado Avalanche, and uh, and you're set and ready to go for another deep playoff run. Um. And let's finish off with this. So this was a, a fun little, I don't want to call it a gimmick, but this was a fun little promotion, sorry, that the National Hockey League did. They released their reverse retro jerseys, right? So what they've done is they've taken jerseys from the past. They've kind of recolored them, rebranded them, and put them out into the world. And every team has it. Some of them look great. Some of them look like they tried to mix a cartoon together with their old logo and just go with it. So I'm going to go over a few of them here that I uh, I really like and a few of them I really dislike. And I feel like it's very similar to what people, what the majority of people are thinking. Let's start with a few that I uh, I really enjoy. And I feel like it's impossible to not enjoy this, but the Carolina Hurricanes retro to the Hartford Whalers. These are just, you couldn't go wrong. You could have just come out with just the regular Hartford Whalers jerseys and they would have been a smashing success. They've got the beautiful green. They've got that Whaler logo on the front. They've got the stripes of blue sitting over it as well with like a nice super light green or a super light gray, sorry, on them. They're fantastic. The Hurricanes knocked this one out of the park, but you could have knocked this one out of the park with your eyes closed. Like, this was a hole-in-one, not a chance that that one was going to be screwed up in any way. Another one that a lot of people are really loving is the remix to the simple, flawless Quebec Nordiques logo of the Colorado Avalanche. This is another team, and I feel like this is a trend here, where they are going back to, to former franchises or former names of teams and putting their own color scheme and spin on them. The Quebec Nordiques colors with the Colorado Avalanche, and then they've got the little Nordique symbols on the bottom or those little Saint symbols on the bottom. Um, absolutely fantastic. One of the nicer ones out there for sure. Uh, Colorado, like I said, I've just been pumping Colorado's tires the whole time. They look absolutely fantastic. Uh, another jersey that I'm in love with. The Calgary Flames retro jersey because they are uh, they are bringing back the triumphant logo of Blasty on the front. The horse with the flames coming out of the side. It was like that old 1980s look with that fiery horse throwback. These were those jerseys all the time back in like the early 2000s too. I remember because I've uh, I used to love Jerome McGinley. I was a big Flames fan. I love Mika Kiprasov. And anytime they wore the, I felt like anytime they wore those jerseys, they won, which was amazing. And. You know, I, I I love the fact that that teams are getting a chance to style it up a little bit, put their own little flair on it. And honestly, during a pandemic, when you need to sell jerseys, when you need to make money as the as as a corporation like the National Hockey League and franchises, this is a genius way to do it. Everybody is going to go out and buy these jerseys. Everyone is going to bring back the retro jerseys, but everyone's going to want a piece of these. And honestly, the Flames knocked it out of the park. I have a rankings right here, and someone ranked them number ten. I think they're easily in the top five. They are absolutely stunning. Uh, another one I'm a really big fan of, the Florida Panthers. Bringing back the old jumping cat on the front. They've kind of popped out the logo a little bit. The jersey's a bright blue. The shoulders have that like super dark between that red and orange look. Gold stripes across it. They 
you know, Florida's, you know, kind of botched a couple things over the last little bit. The jerseys, not even kind of close. Uh, there's a few other ones I really, the Arizona Coyotes one. Oh, I love that one. They've got the purple on the front, the Coyote cartoon, split-faced. Um, they've also got um, like the city of Arizona um, on the bottom of it afterwards facing up like you're looking at a reflection in the water. Uh, another team, Arizona, who has really kind of botched things over the last little bit, coming through here with a beautifully designed, uh, beautifully designed retro logo. St. Louis Blues rocking their all reds with, you know, the classic blue note on the front. They have stripes coming up um, diagonally on it as well with like a blue on the sleeves and on the bottom of the jersey as well. St. Louis knocking it out of the park. And then there's a lot more I want to get to, but I'll I'll finish with this one here. Uh, The Washington Capitals. Remember those blue ones that they had with the actual like eagle with the stars on it where it's coming down looking like it's going to get on something? That eagle, but in an all red jersey with capitals diagonally across the bottom of the jersey. I think this is one of the nicest jerseys out there. This jersey, I remember it specifically, especially the black version when Alex Ovechkin stormed in the league, scored his first goal. That was the jersey he was rocking and bringing these back just brought back a whole bunch of nostalgia to me that I am absolutely in love with. Um, Other ones I'm a really big fan of as well. Uh, The Buffalo Sabres one with the two swords crossing. They have a bunch of really good logos. So Buffalo basically just had to choose one. Uh, I really like that one. And then the Tampa Bay Lightning. Going back to the retro jerseys, what helped them win the Stanley Cup back in 2004. Big fan of it. Um, And uh, the color scheme's perfect as well. Absolutely love it. Now let's get to some ones that maybe aren't, I'm not a big fan of, didn't make the cut. A lot of people are ripping on the Vegas Golden Knights jerseys. They've been around for like two years. Leave them alone. They don't know what the retro jerseys look like. They've got two swords with like, um, like a directional compass crossing through them i don't mind it actually i love the red i love the gold i love the 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 dark gray on it i actually really like those those were rated near the bottom but ones i really didn't like winnipeg jets winnipeg had a golden opportunity to go back to their old retro jerseys where they used to wear in like the timu salani age right back when winnipeg was just rocking they had that beautiful blue they had that crazy like bold color scheme and they went with like a gray with with their regular jets logo in the middle not regular jets but the one that says jets on it with the hockey stick and then a tiny little blue jet in the circle already this one had such a they had such an opportunity right to go back to your roots to the 80s and, and, and pick something and they and they happen to botch this one I I don't know I mean again if, if you want to go check it out I posted the majority of them up on uh on the second thoughts podcast Instagram and Twitter pages but let me know what you think but that one just a questionable move there by the Winnipeg Jets uh another one Dallas Stars guys late 90s early 2000s so many opportunities they brought back their best logo But then they kind of outlined it by leaving the jersey white and then just having like a black and green star frame around the thing. And I just, it doesn't go. I get where they were going with it. They really, they they went for it. They went bold. It just did not pan out whatsoever. Uh, The next one, 
super disappointed in this. The Toronto Maple Leafs. Guys, what were you thinking? Why are you trying to incorporate gray into this? It is a ugly blue with a white maple leaf outline and the old Toronto. It was like they tried to take the the old St. Pat's font from the green jerseys and then implement it and put in like a cartoon leaf on the front and then not have it etched out. Like they had so many great jerseys, like the 60s jerseys with like the old crested maple leaves where you could see the roots on them. Like the reverse retro with the roots, that's where you would have done well. Even the even the 90s jerseys, right? Or like the early 2000s and those series against the Ottawa Senators in the postseason. Oh, Toronto, you had such an opportunity and you just, you botched it. San Jose Sharks. I don't hate them as much anymore because I do remember they brought back their old logo. They brought back that shark chomping through the hockey stick. But the jersey's too gray. You've tried to involve too many things at once. And like if you were going to go with a gray dominant, go with a gray dominant and then don't have the blue outlining the entire thing because it just kind of throws it off. I like the logo, but the jersey just looks like it's got way too much going on. Um, and then I'll finish off here. I just want to make sure I don't miss one. Oh, uh, the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. Guys, you've got a movie you could literally go after. Your old Ducks logos, 2003 Stanley Cup playoff run, late 90s, early 2000s. And then they, it's like they remade a character. They tried to make it too cartoony and it just... I don't know. It's a fail for me. It's a fail in my opinion. Ottawa's I don't hate. I think Ottawa just went way too simple. It's just an all red jersey with a couple black stripes. They brought their old logo back, which is sick. But that's kind of it. Pittsburgh trying too hard with the diagonal Pittsburgh across the front chest. I'm not a big fan of. And then there was one more jersey where everyone was like loving it, giving it praise. Oh, the New Jersey Devils and their green, red, and it's not, you guys aren't Christmas. You are not the epitome of Christmas. I've never liked these jerseys. A lot of people do. I'm just not a fan of the green dominant with like the red and the white and just try, it's too mixy, too matchy. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of it. The Boston one, everyone's like losing their minds over. It's simple. It's fine. It's got the B in the middle. It's not a big deal. Uh, but the bit, one of the bigger whiffs, the Vancouver Canucks. Guys, you had that old retro Canuck back in like the 80s, early 90s with Pavel Bure racing down the ice with the Canuck diagonally across the front of the jersey. And you went with the like the, the newer logo or like the old new logo with like a super weird mishmash color scheme of green on the bottom and blue on the top. And then the shoulders are marked off with green as well I just feel like another same thing with the Toronto Maple Leafs they had such an opportunity with such a history and some players like Marcus Naslund and like I said Burray rocking those Dan Cloutier rocking those Canucks jerseys and uh, they kind of they kind of mix match the old with like the they mix match sorry the new with the kind of old but not really that old like you probably remember it 5-10 years ago Big opportunities from Tom Teams, but nevertheless, this was all in fun. 
this was a way to create new revenue, a way for fans to get more involved, and you know, you need different ways to make money if fans aren't going to be allowed in the buildings, and I, I do like the idea. I think just some teams had a real opportunity to capitalize on their roots and history, and uh, just kind of missed the ball on that one a little bit. But that is it for episode 24 of the Second Thoughts Podcast. I know I'm ranking retro jerseys and which ones I like and which ones I don't like. And then a couple news stories from a former Blackhawk and a current Blackhawk. But uh, I will tell you right now, just endure the next couple of weeks. Because once December hits, once the calendar flips to December, uh, I will start releasing episodes kind of highlighting and going through each division every week. And splitting the division up into two. So the episode on Tuesday will um, involve half the division. And then the episode coming out on the Friday will involve the other half of the division and then that should split out evenly and ramp up as the talks of the regular season get underway we'll start to understand if there's going to be a full Canadian division the way the other teams are going to pan out and spread out but uh, yeah endured for the next couple of weeks uh, once the news starts picking up over the next little bit we will ramp up here on the Second Thoughts podcast Make sure you follow along at Second Thoughts P on Instagram and Twitter. Also follow along on uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you happen to get your podcasts. Make sure you rate me, give you, give me a like, give me a, uh, give me a follow, and subscribe if you can as well. I appreciate it. Also, if you would like to donate to my Movember page. I will share the link up as well on uh, on this uh, on the description and in the captions below. But enjoy the week. Uh, We're getting a little bit of snow down here in London, Ontario. So if you happen to be getting some in in your area as well. I don't know. Enjoy it. It's November. We had a... Last week, we had a a couple days where it was like 20, 21 degrees. So uh, enjoy it while you can. And and just before you know it, hockey news will slowly start to ramp up again. Until then, that's a wrap.